Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of the infamous No Hassle Newsletters, author of these six books that you can get for free, and I'll tell you how to do that at the end of the show. For the last 10 years, though, I am also the host of Dream Business Radio, now in its 10th year, as I just repeated myself. <laughs> so anyway, I have a really great guest today. We were going right up until hitting the go live button. Alicia Butler-Pierre. Alicia, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Jim. I'm, I'm so excited glad to be here with you. I know. I'm so excited for this topic. And, um, you know, folks, so I usually meet my guests somewhere about a month earlier. And so I'm like, oh, I can't wait to have you on. And then I got to wait a month. I'm like, oh, that's right. You're doing so <laughs> I, 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 I get excited. Anyway, um, hey, this, at this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Of course it is. It's my show. So if you're an entrepreneur or small business owner, who wants to grow a more profitable business faster. And especially if you want to learn how to create multiple streams of revenue in your business, something I'm really good at. You want to be part of this extraordinary virtual mastermind group led by me, Captain Jim. And you can learn more about that group at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. And speaking of multiple streams of revenue, my latest ebook, this is number seven since I started doing these uh, almost a year ago. Now, I think I started doing them in the fall. I was going to say one a month, but I think it's more like one about every seven or eight weeks because <laughs> they're, they're, they're not three pages of fluff. These are really good. Anyway, uh, my latest ebook is how to create multiple streams of revenue. I share with you in detail throughout this, I think about a 22-page report, how I went from one business to six. Now I'm scaled down to about three right now. And um, this is absolutely the number one way that you can generate a higher income. Multiple streams of revenue, as I like to say, is very, very good to you. <laughs> you can get your free copy, download your free copy at createmultiplestreamsofrevenue.com. Createmultiplestreamsofrevenue.com. Okay, I'll bring that back up and near the end of the show, but let me just go there. and uh, Let me read um, Alicia's very professional introduction. <laughs> worthy of such a great guest. Oh man. I shared with Alicia that my normal work, my normal three day work week is now two days because I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So this is just like extraordinary. I feel like a ping pong ball all day, but it's totally fine. <laughs> Throw a few shorts and t-shirts and a bag and off we go. So, anyway, Alicia Butler Pierre is the founder and CEO of Equilibria, Incorporated is an 18-year-old operations management firm. She designs scale-ready business infrastructure for fast-growing small businesses. A chemical engineer turned entrepreneur, a chemical engineer who, who, who does now back office cool stuff. It's got to ask her about that. She has advised, designed, optimized processes, enterprises, including Shell Oil, Coca-Cola, and Home Depot. So you know she can help you. She's an international speaker and hosts the weekly business infrastructure, Curing Back Office Blues. I love that podcast, which ranks in the top 2% in the world with listeners in 68 countries. 
Dang, Alicia, that's awesome. She's also an adjunct instructor of Lean Principles at Purdue University and the author of the two-time Amazon bestseller, Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success. Alicia, once again, welcome to Dream Business Radio. Jim, thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. Oh my God, I know. You know, when I'm on the other side of the mic and people read it, it's like, what's a lot to live up to? I don't right, know. It's like, is that really me? I know. So <laughs> chemical engineering, and now you're like the operations guru behind the scenes. I mean, I guess if you're a chemical engineer, you really have to have some smarts, I guess, but you have to understand the way things work. So how did you go from one to the other? <laughs> well, Jim, I'll, I'll give the uh, a very condensed version of that story, a Cliff Notes version, if okay. you will. Um, when I was working as a chemical engineer, and for your listeners, chemical engineers, many of us, we work as what's called process engineers. Mm. So literally, when you are manufacturing something, usually a chemical of some sort, <laughs> uh, you have to figure out if something goes wrong in the production or the manufacturing of that particular chemical, what what went wrong in the process to cause it to not be uh, or to not meet the specification. So fast forward, as I was working as a chemical engineer, I would have these meetings with these accountants and they would give these monthly figures, things like talking about things like profit and revenue. Some of the things you were just talking about, (laughs) multiple streams of revenue. Exactly. Very important. But it made me realize the disconnect that I had from the actual business itself. Mm -hmm. So I knew the technical work of the engineering that I was doing, but I had no appreciation for the fluctuations in market demand and supply and understanding how all of those factors literally impacted our ability to produce either at 100% capacity, half capacity. Sometimes we would shut down altogether. So what seemed to be very erratic production scheduling, I didn't have an appreciation for the, again, the market demands that were literally driving and dictating what those production schedules should be. So I went back to business school. Once I finished business school, I, I stopped, literally effectively stopped working as a hardcore engineer moved to Atlanta. I was living in New Orleans, Louisiana, relocated to at Atlanta, Georgia. This was 2005. Mm-hmm. Six months later, Hurricane Katrina happened in New Orleans. Oh. I, I got out just in the nick of time. And I thought, Jim, that I was going to work at Coca-Cola mm-hmm. because Coca-Cola produced, they have an actual physical product that they're producing, which is a chemical. You were drinking right. it's a chemical, right? <laughs> but, it, but I also thought it would be a nice way for me to tie in my newly minted MBA education. And so Coca-Cola is headquartered here in Atlanta. And that did not happen, Jim. I did not work, <laughs> end up working <laughs> there. But what's so interesting, many years later, I actually did start doing work with Coca-Cola, um, but not as an employee, as an actual Cons- consultant. Yes. Isn't very it funny neat. how life works out yeah. sometimes that way? Uh, but to, to, to just kind of wrap up this story, When I moved here to Atlanta, again, I was looking for a job, working for someone else. And after about a good two months of what seemed to be endless, soulless job searching, I decided to redirect the time, effort, and energy that I was spending looking for a job, working for someone else, 
redirect that to creating an opportunity for myself. Was there some kind of a, um, a lot of people, sometimes there's an impetus, something that happens. For me, I lost my job, right? Mm -hmm. But I had four teenagers home, so I, I knew I'd be an entrepreneur someday, but I said, not now, right? Right. Four teenagers like food, so I really need to keep the income coming in. <laughs> but other people, there was a book that I read many years ago called Get Fired and Get Fired Up. So sometimes there's something which causes you to go from a, you know, a W-2 employee into an entrepreneur. Was it, what was, what was, what drove you into that direction? Honestly, it was, it was a combination of factors. One, not being able to find a job when I uh -huh. moved here and, and, in fairness, I did. I chose to leave the job behind that I had in New Orleans. That was okay. that was all me, because I just I my soul just wasn't in it anymore. I just it, it it truly didn't bring me joy, and I just had this feeling that I couldn't shake that I needed to get out of New Orleans. So again, once I graduated from business school, I relocated here at the beginning of 2005, and it just so happened, Jim, that everything I happened to read or watch by way of documentaries, movies, or books that I read, articles, magazines, everything was talking about the fact that we're all blessed with natural skills, talents, and abilities. Mm. And that through our process of quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, yeah. education, what we're really being trained to do is become good employees working for someone else. Mm -hmm. Instead of figuring out how to build businesses around our natural skills, talents, and abilities and becoming entrepreneurs. And so the more, cool. yeah, the more I started reading those things. And then again, just, just having such a disheartening process of, of looking for a job. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I had always, I'd always dabbled in side hustles, even as a kid, but then I just decided to dip my toe officially in the entrepreneurial waters and eventually i just dove all the way in well good for you <laughs> well you, you can't make a living in the skinny end of the pool right you've got That's to go right. into the deep end um so i think i titled this interview um curing the back office blues which i believe like i got from your book which is all about business infrastructure and it's interesting in, in um your early part of your answer there where it's there businesses there's revenue and there's profit and a lot of it which falls between here and here is the operations of the business it's the infrastructure i've talked to a lot of people myself included i'm really good at knowing how to make money i can go sell i can make money but i have to have a really really good accountant and somebody in, on the back end of the business right right so there's revenue generators or, or you know what i call people who can make it rain and then there's people who take what you're earning and so you can keep legally morally and all that stuff the the most the you know the biggest bottom line so what is business infrastructure in, in terms of small business business infrastructure is a system for linking your people your processes and all of your tools and technologies together so that when you or as you continue growing you can not only have sustainable growth but you can actually scale mm. whatever it is that makes your business so unique or so special whatever that secret sauce is that keeps your customers coming you want to be able to scale that but scale it in a re repeatable profitable and sustainable way and that's what business infrastructure affords you it's all about that operational window that you were just describing jim and if salespeople are the rainmakers i'll just say that us operations folks we make sure that we provide the bucket to collect all of the rain 
That's right. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the dullest either. And I, I know who to bring on my team. I know what my my friend Melanie used to call it, your genius, somehow referring to yourself as genius. I know my zone of geniuses, right? Marketing, branding, bringing in the money. But I have people on the back end, including in our personal life, you know, financial advice, all that. I just leave that up to them. Jim, what do you think about this? you tell me what you're doing. Just tell me at the end of the month how much is there, right? But it's it's really interesting. The other thing I, when you said people process, I think the other one is profit, but it's so you can scale. You know, when you start an entrepreneurial business, it's, it's so often by the bootstraps, it's, you know, shoot from the hip is another expression. Probably not a good term these days, but, you know, shoot from the hip. But it's like fast moving, quick decisions, boom, boom, boom. But once you get to a certain point in your business, whether it's your first six figures or maybe, you know, say 250,000, if you want to get to seven figures, you really need to get your house in order because you can't shoot from the hip and just willy nilly. It's one thing to get to, you know, like I say, your first six figures, but it's a whole different mindset. A very long question. I'm sorry. But so how how does that work? You know, I'm sure somebody who's just starting out is probably not going to ring your phone and say, come help me. But they get to a certain point, they're going to realize, I feel a little disheveled and, and out of sorts. That's exactly right. You're Oh, my gosh, you hit you hit the nail <laughs> on the head because you're right. It isn't for startups. And the reason why most startups, this isn't appealing for them is and it makes sense when we're starting our businesses, we have to have customers. So mm-hmm. we have to invest heavily in the things you were just talking about, the sales, the marketing, publicity, branding, PR, all of those things that are required to attract and let the world know that we're here in the first place with our goods and services. But what happens, Jim, when you start to realize a return on investment in all of those resources that you've put into those sales and marketing related efforts? Well, now you have a different problem. You can go from not having enough customers to having too many. Mm-hmm. And there are businesses believe it or not, I know you know this, I know you know this, but <laughs> but but something that's often not talked about for existing businesses that still fail, a lot of times it's because they don't have that business infrastructure in place to support the growth. So right. you have a good thing and you've done a great job of bringing the people into the doors of your business, but can you keep them there? Can you supply the growing demand for your goods and services? And that's what business infrastructure affords you. It's all about the, what I often hear people refer to as the boring, mundane, highly detailed, not so sexy stuff. But these are the things that matter because as you start to grow, as you have more more customers, Mm -hmm. you now can, the team that you start off with, even if, you are just a solopreneur, you will realize quickly what your personal capacity is. You can only handle a certain amount of client work. Even if you're, whether you're making widgets or you are providing some type of management consulting, whatever it is that you are offering, you have a personal bandwidth and capacity. But what if your customers just keep coming through the door and they're like, Jim, I love what you're doing. Oh my gosh, I don't want to be on a waiting list. Are you really going to turn away that business? Some people would, but if you want to keep that business, you have to start hiring more people. But right. when you hire more people, 
those people need to know what work needs to be done and how that work should be done. And that's where processes, Jim, come into play. So this is this is a great this is a great way for me to talk about how my chemical engineering background ties into the work that I'm doing now, because remember, I, I mentioned working as a process engineer. You have to document what you do and how you do it. That way, when you do add more people to your team, whether they are part-time, full-time employees, independent contractors, interns, volunteers, whatever the case may be, they have a blueprint for what a successful outcome looks like. But if you- yeah, Otherwise, it's like if you're a baker and you're baking a cake and you keep trying different ones and this one's great. Now, how much did you put in this? You know, Exactly. You have to document it. You have to document it. I love the fact that you used a bake as, as an example or an analogy because I often tell people, processes are nothing more than your business's recipes. And when, you, when you gather all we of were recipes, we were destined to, I know, to have this Jim, interview. We're, we're there. We're there. <laughs> when you think about it, when you look at a collection of recipes, what do you have? You have a cookbook. Mm-hmm. But when you have a collection of your processes and your procedures, you have your proverbial operations manual. Yeah. I, you know, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, when, it's okay. Um, so, one of my expressions, I think I wrote it in one of my chapters in Decide was the chapter is learn to delegate or stay small forever, right? Because there Ooh, is a point where that. you just, and and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they think, well, nobody can do it as good or as fast or as inexpensive as I can. So why would I pay somebody to do it? And I say, because you're too cheap, you're too lazy and, and you don't trust and, and you don't want to scale, <laughs> right? So that's like the flip side of it. So one of the most one of the most painful years for me was, I think, 08 into 09. So, um, you know, I started in 2001 and then I started No Hassle Newsletters in like end of 06, 07. And I grew it to like, I had over 1,200 small business owners using our monthly program. Wow. So we had to, I had to learn C, I, well, I, excuse me, I didn't learn CRM. I hired somebody to get the best CRM and put it in place for me. I said, you pick it. You just tell me what you need. I'll give you the credit card. You set it up. But because we had writers all over the world, we had designers and all these processes were going in. But I hated that stuff, to be honest with you. But I knew how important it was because the the wheels were going to come off the wagon. Mm -hmm. So I did. But what happened is even though I, I greatly expanded my team, it required me to put down like on paper this is who does this and then this and then this in other words don't tell me on the 30th of the month jim we don't have the articles for the newsletters that go out on the first i need to know two weeks before that right so we had to really document it was a painful year because i'm meeting with clients i'm doing my thing but i had to sit there and i had to be alicia and document all the processes (laughs) right it was really hard but but it was really it was really of one of the best things I ever did. And and that's the thing. It's it it's not it's not for the faint at heart. So I would encourage those who are listening to us right now or maybe even watching us do brace yourself because it does require a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Think about it. You are literally documenting your your business's recipes. Yeah. However, Jim, there are some streamlined ways to document this. There are these wonderful, you know, you don't have to do the traditional uh, get get into a maybe a white Microsoft Word document and start typing out step one, you do this, and step two, mm. you do that. Maybe start off with dictation. 
use something as simple as the turn on the voice recording feature on your smartphone. Just start dictating how you do a certain thing at your company. Upload that audio file into some type of transcription tool that's out there on the internet. And there you have it. And you can always, of course, go in and add in more detail and color as necessary. But the point is, I, I don't want people thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a Herculean effort. And they, they kind of shoot the idea down before they even give it a try. There's so many ways now that we can document processes. It's all about getting the information out of your head and into a format that can easily be shared with other people. I so also encourage- I, oh, I appreciate the way you're saying that. And I know mm -hmm. there's technology, there's there's things that didn't exist when I was going through right, it. Or right, I was, right. Or I was you know, too focused to, to see them. But, but the other thing, which I tell people all the time, because and sometimes my clients call this Jim's tough love, because I don't sugarcoat anything. It is painful and it you is. have to go through it. But the thing is, there's an expression. Are you willing to you know, work at a certain level for uh, six months or a year so you can live the rest of your life? Not an autopilot, but, you know, and a lot of people aren't willing to either sacrifice the time, financial investment, training and all that little, uh, that turmoil that goes into scaling a business. But you get it to a certain point and it's not like set it and forget it like that old chicken rotisserie thing. But it's like you do you do get to a point where you can perfect it, adapt it, change it and grow with it. But you do have to get from being a single, you know, solopreneur who, who just figures everything out on the fly at the 2 a.m., to a business that is scalable. So you do have to go through some painful stuff. You, you absolutely do. It, it is not. I'm going through it myself. I am sleep deprived, Jim. I want to take a nap <laughs> so badly. So, so yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's, I love the way you put it. You know, are you willing to dedicate the next six, 12, 18 months to really having a turnkey operation one that truly can function without you so that you can have the remaining 20, 25 years. And you're, I won't say you're coasting, but you have a really good foundation to where if, if the wheels start to come off a little bit again, you always know that you have something solid that you can turn back to. Well, you know, and, and I like to be as transparent as I can with people that have been listening and following. So if I had not gone through that, when Stephanie and I decided to move on to our boat and we traveled for five years on the boat, I still ran my businesses. I still work only three days a week. It was because I put in that work. You know, No Hassle Newsletters essentially runs on autopilot. My main business and revenue is working with my clients, my entrepreneur clients, three days a week. The, the books that I help my clients write through Success Advantage Publishing, I have very talented editors, very talented book designers, people who get them published. So I'm kind of like the spearhead and the face of the business, but I've got all these things behind the scenes. And so it is painful. But, yeah, you can set up a business that will, in my language, set up a dream business. So you can live your dream lifestyle. It is all about the life you want to live. You don't want to be a slave to your business. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, I love the interview, man. Time's going by quickly. So, you know, a lot of people that um, listen to this interview um, and, and we'll see it, you know, even in, in replays or reruns, as they used to say in the 70s on TV, <laughs> is <laughs> they're small business owners, Alicia. Some people solopreneurs, some people may have two or three or maybe five. So 
there's a thing that, you know, I told you earlier, I'm a rainmaker. I can do the market. So there's usually this tenuous relationship in a business between like sales and marketing and operations. Sales and marketing look like, okay, I'm, I just brought this client in. Go make it happen. Go deliver it. And these people are like, you have no idea what we're going through, you know, but you're not the one out there <laughs> selling. Exactly. So what is this constant battle going on? I think it's because I, I remember years ago, I had a client who said, you know, these salespeople, they sell the dream. And then us folks here in operations, we yes. deal with the nightmare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the, But the way I like to think of it is sales and marketing, they are all about making the offer, making the promise to the customer. Yep. Operations is all about making sure you keep that promise, that you can mm. deliver on that promise. So, for example, Jim, if you were to go out and sell a product and you say, if you want this product and deliver to you in 24 hours, we can make that happen. Ding. <laughs> and then you come to me and tell me, OK, yes, we, we just landed this amazing client. <laughs> they're huge. They're great. Oh my gosh, Alicia, they're going to set the world on fire. Oh yeah, by the way, we need to make sure we have this on their doorstep in less than 24 hours. So now me as an operations person, I have to figure out all of the little wheels and gadgets and things that I have to, to turn and things that I have to do to actually make sure that we can not only provide the product or service in that uh, time frame that's been promised to the customer, but that it meets all of the quality standards that have been put in place and that is mm. truly providing the value that has been sold by Jim as the salesperson. Yes. So it's a symbiotic relationship. It really is. I, I don't think it's fair for operations folks to talk, speak negatively or talk down on sales and marketing people, because to your point, they're the ones out there, boots on the ground, in the streets, rolling up their sleeves, talking to the customers, gaining all of that firsthand knowledge and literally closing the deals. And, and similarly, sales and marketing people need to have an appreciation for, gosh, you know, we're out here selling it. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure that the operational team has the capacity, the bandwidth and that they really can pull this off. Yeah. Yeah. It, and you know what? This sounds so cliche, but it really is about communication. It's yes. not like the CEO or some, you know somebody having a conversation over here and then going out to the factory, the warehouse, whatever, and doing this. It is bringing people together, right? Other, yes. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're really fostering this us versus they mentality. We we got about um, four minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beg you to stay maybe three or four minutes longer. I don't mind going like a few minutes over, but okay. <laughs> is that okay with you? I should. I'm asking you as we're live. Fine. That's perfect. No, Jim, fine. I've got to pick up my kids. Or <laughs> so, um, so I want to ask you about your book, which is behind the facade: How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success. I, one of the ways I prepare for interviews like this, like number one, I go to websites, I look at blogs. And then if there's a book, I go look at the book. You have a couple chapters I want to ask you about. One of them um, is Emerald City, right? Yes. And then, you know, there's another chapter called uh, Child's Play, which I know, I think I know where we're going, but what is Emerald City? How do you, how does that factor Emerald into City, this discussion? And this is, this is so fitting that you would ask me about, no one has ever asked me that actually. <laughs> so thank you, Jim, um, because I just saw the play Wicked last night. So this is so fitting that we would have a conversation about Emerald City, but it's this, it's this idea. I don't know if many people don't realize this about the story of the Wizard of Oz, but the reason why everything appeared to be in shades of green is because in the book, 
the characters in the book actually had to wear glasses that made everything appear green. Mm. And it was to keep up the illusion or the facade that was Emerald City. Okay. When in reality, Emerald City looked like any other cityscape in any town USA. But because the, so it was this illusion. And that's really what the book is about is we can create these illusions. We can create and erect these facades, if you will, in our efforts to attract customers. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with making things look shiny and new and pristine and beautiful and attractive. That's what it takes to draw the customers and clients into the door. My argument is just make sure that your business operates on the inside as good as it looks on the outside. Absolutely. So when we go behind that veneer, when we pull that curtain, when we look under the hood, does it does it look as good as it does on the outside? When you're looking at the inside of your operation, are you truly operating a well-oiled machine? So that's what Emerald City is all about. It's literally making the case for, don't just focus on the exterior, the, the customer facing things, Focus on the back office stuff, the things that dictate the and, and enhance or or devalue the customer experience. Yeah, that's what it's, operations is all about. So true. And I know with my youthful look, you know, you'll never guess that 45, 50 years ago I was working retail. But, <laughs> but back in the day, as they say, when you get to be a little older, you know, you could have a hundred great customers experiences and you have one bad one and it kind of spreads like wildfire. But today with social media and Yelp and Google and this review and that review, man, one mm -hmm. bad experience is multiplied because people yes. are reading it and it can really be bad on a business. I, w I once had some clients who were going to start this program and I honestly thought they it was too soon. And I'm, I'm all about like charge ahead, fast growth. But I said, guys, if you actually do bring on a client or two and with all the stuff you're promising and you don't deliver it, it's going to kill your program. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you waited three months and get a little bit, you know, I, you're using your terminology, get a little back office support, some staff, some delivery people, whatever, what they're going to do, then launch, right? You know, it's that you, you get one chance to make a first impression. So it really is important. Now, what was Child's Play? What, what was that reference? So Child's to? Play is a story. So most of the majority of the book is is actually a compilation of different stories. Mm -hmm. And these stories are based on characters that represent really they're composite characters in the sense that they represent anywhere from four to six different people that I've actually worked with. Child's Play is representative of the child entrepreneurs that I have had the pleasure of working with over the years. So the main character is this 16-year-old kid, Albert. He is a tech software programming whiz. And in his mind, every, all of this is just child's play. It's just natural business. It's, you know, I have the business coming in. I have this skill set that people want. It's highly, you know, it's in high demand, but he doesn't have the business acumen. So that that story is all about teaching him why it's important to have the, the accounting, the financial controls, the HR component. Yes, you have that core skill in IT that's in high demand. But if you want to build an actual scalable business, you have to have all of these other functions around it as well. 
Yeah, that's so true. In in a lot of ways, it, it really is. Um, it's about managing expectations. Um, one of the one of the companies I wrote about in my book, Stick Like Glue, which is about customer retention, um, was Dell. Now I'm a Dell guy. I've had Dell computers ever since they came out. We're on a Dell computer now, and it's like whenever I order a new Dell computer, and I used to do it about every two years or so because they just bog down and get slow. But anyway, you'd order the computer, and Dell would say. So as you and I are doing this uh, interview, it's um, it is uh, July nineteenth, right? So I order, it and Dell says it's going to be there July twenty uh, eighth. And doggone if on the twenty sixth or the twenty fifth, the computer doesn't show up, and that's happened multiple times. So I know mm-hmm. Michael Dell never told me, but I know they build into their thing <laughs> this framework so they can always surprise and make good. It's never like oh, two days late, it's not the end of the world. They always promise here and deliver here. So mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, that's, that's actually a tip, which doesn't cost you too much money. Right. So right. W- when you're putting yourself out there and you're saying, Hey, we're going to do this, maybe add a slight little cushion and still do that. And yes. you're going to have some really raving fans. What I, I knew this was going to be a great interview, Alicia. And um, I would love to have you back sometime. Cause I feel like I barely oh, scratched I'd love the surface. To come back. That would be amazing. Jim. <laughs> um, so tell us, I know you got your book and um, I know people want to follow up with you. How could, where do you want them to go for your book and, and more information, et cetera? Well, I guess the best place would be my personal website. And the reason I say that is because there you can find out more information about the book, my company, Equilibria, that you that you were kind enough to to plug earlier, Jim, as well as my podcast and some other things that I have going on, how we can connect on social media. And that website is AliciaButlerPierre.com. So it's my first name, A-L-I-C-I-A, last names, Butler and Pierre, which is P-I-E-R-R-E dot com. Awesome. Um, now, the name of the company, Equilibria, yes. is that, I mean, is that a, is that equilibrium, like meaning balance, or is that mean yes. something else? No, that's exactly what it is. So it's the plural, <laughs> it's the plural form of the word equilibrium. Is it? What? Well, I just yeah. learned something. There, so you know, it's, 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 a it's an ode to, that is actually an ode to my background in chemistry and chemical engineering. Well, how about that? I love I love good I love names that have a that are easy to understand that don't if, if you have to like look up a name and that may be a little bit I, I got that. I thought it had something to do with balance, which is whatever you know what your company's all about really is about balance. Exactly. That's exactly what it's about. Wow, that's so cool. Thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my guest, Alicia Butler-Pierre. And you definitely want to check her out at aliciabutlerpierre.com. You can connect with me if you care to do that at getjimpalmer.com. And again, if you're interested in joining me and about 26 other smart entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind, you can go to dreambizcoaching.com. And I'm going to tell you one more time how to get a copy of my ebook, which is called How to Create Multiple Streams of Revenue. And again, I detailed my the whole story, which I alluded to some of it in here, however, from one company to another, to another, to another, to another. And um, believe me, if you want to have a high income, it's most easily done by cobbling together different revenue streams instead of pushing one big ball up a hill, so to speak. Oh, and I told you at the end of the show, so if you're still here, you're in good shape. If you want to get all six of my books um, for free in digital format, they are available at Amazon, obviously as Kindle, in Barnes & Noble as Nook Books. They're also in the iBookstore. That is part of my legacy building program. 
because I have been doing this a long time. And that's my gift to you to keep continue your education. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. And you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.